0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Heart Podcast. My name is James Rudd, the media editor at Heart. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Vijay Kunadian from the University of Newcastle. Vijay is a consultant interventional cardiologist and has a passion for finding out the best way to treat older people with heart disease and in particular non-ST elevation myocardial infarction. She's leading a British Heart Foundation funded study called the Senior Rita Study And she's about one third of the way through recruiting that trial. She's recruited around 700 people into a 2,300 person trial, which is designed to test an invasive management strategy against optimal medical therapy. Vijay and I have an excellent chat all about the particular issues which we come across every day treating older people with heart disease, including comorbidities and atypical presentations, all the way through to complications of, of therapies and i hope you enjoyed the podcast please feel free to subscribe to the podcast and to spread the word on twitter and social media uh, we're always looking to to get a larger audience listening to the podcast and also i'd be very grateful if you could send me suggestions for guests and topics to cover on the podcast it's best to do it by twitter but if you really want to you can email me at j h f r u d d at gmail.com j h f r u d d at gmail.com and i will uh, take note of your suggestions for guests i hope you enjoyed the podcast with vj and myself talking about the management of older patients with heart attacks i'm delighted to be joined today on the heart podcast by dr vj kunadian from newcastle in the uk Vijay, would you be so kind enough as to introduce yourself for the audience of the podcast?
1: Sure. Um, Thank you very much for having me, James. I'm uh, Vijay Kunadian. I'm an academic interventional cardiologist based in in Newcastle University and Freeman Hospital. Uh, And I'm also the chief investigator for the British Heart Foundation Senior reta trial.
0: And Vijay, you've got a long-standing interest in the treatment of older patients with Heart attacks and acute coronary syndromes, and you've you've published on this widely. Can you tell us a little bit about the demographic of how heart disease is changing in the UK and elsewhere, and why this is becoming a really important situation to to really optimize the treatment of older people? How are things changing?
1: So we're now in an era of aging population. So more and more we're having uh, we see patients uh, who are in their eighties and nineties, and even in their hundreds. Uh, presenting uh, with heart attack. Uh, so obviously, according to the MyMap database, the data that we collect from England and Wales, there are over 80,000 heart attack uh, cases that happen uh, in these two countries, out of which 60 percentage of uh, heart attacks are non-ST elevation myocardial infarction. And believe it or not, 50% of these heart attacks happen in patients who are 70 and older. So the older population have a tendency to have more uh, non ST elevation myocardial infarction so it is a it is a challenge for clinicians Uh, doctors at all levels, whether they are at the uh, accident emergency department or whether they are in the medical admissions unit, cardiology was, there is an increasing number of older patients presenting uh, with heart attacks. And this actually made me thinking because as a trainee, I saw a lot of patients in the 60s and 70s or even younger patients, the one that we are used to uh, being trained on uh, interventions, Uh, But in the last 10 years, we see that our CAT labs are full of uh, or wards are full of patients uh, that are much older. Uh, And the problem is uh, we don't know. We don't really have very much evidence as to how we manage these patients because uh, there aren't very many uh, randomized clinical trials uh, addressing uh, older patients and heart disease.
0: And it seems from your work that older patients tend to present to hospital with heart attacks in different ways to younger patients in many cases. Could you talk a little bit more about that, please?
1: Absolutely. So the symptoms may not be the same. Uh, For example, yesterday I saw a patient who her main symptoms was epigastric pain. So the presentations uh, might be very different. They may not complain of chest pain, but when they come in, you do an ECG or do blood test, Uh, you find that the troponins are right. And ultimately, the final diagnosis, regardless of what they present with, uh, is, uh, is, is driven by coronary artery disease because there's a huge uh, prevalence of coronary disease in these populations. Uh, and of course, when they present to us, they're a lot more complex. They're not straightforward. If they reach their 80s and 90s and present to the hospital uh, with, a, with a with a heart condition or any condition, they not only have the problem that they present with, they have a number of other comorbidities, including, say, they might have survived cancer in the past, they might have COPD, they might have had a stroke in the past, peripheral vascular disease. So it's not just... Just the heart. They have a huge number of other problems, and 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 here we are treating patient as a whole rather than just yeah I fixed your coronaries and you can go home, and all of these comorbidities also have an effect on their and uh, on, the, on their coronary arteries as such because they are not straightforward. They are complex. They are calcified. They are stiff. Um, you don't see the the usual sort of a type A or type B lesions in the coronary artery. So. Um, so it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of um, uh, planning in terms of executing the procedures without um, uh, much in the way of uh, co- uh, causing complications or problems to these patients. And of course, a lot of these patients receive uh, antiplatelet uh, agents, and all the patients with comorbidities also have uh, are also uh, at risk of bleeding. They are the high bleeding risk patients. Um, and in addition to that, the element of frailty. I know when we see an older patient, we we look at them uh, from the end of their bed and say, yeah, this patient is frail. Um, but the frailty also has an impact on some of the work that we have done here and, uh, and others that if you're frail and if you're of the same age compared to somebody who's not frail, uh, this is, for example, somebody who is 85 looking like a 75-year-old or a 75-year-old looking like an 85-year-old because of the frailty issues, their outcomes are much worse uh, than a a robust individual. So there's quite a lot of uh, factors uh, play into uh, the management of these patients as well as their overall uh, outcome and hence you will find again uh, there are several uh, of our colleagues published reports from the uh, mine database which suggest that there is a huge disparity in the way that older patients are managed across the uk and um, so uh, some uh, areas or some even clinicians they decide to treat these patients with, uh, with uh, say, medications is sufficient for these people. And some, uh, if, for example, present to an aggressive interventional centers uh, and the patients are put through um, the, the latest available technology that's available in uh, fixing these uh, complex coronary artery disease. Uh, When you actually look at the randomized clinical trials that are available, there are only three randomized trials that are available, and the maximum sample size is 876. Uh, You and I know that in cardiology, uh, for everything that we do, including aspirin or statin, the studies have been done in thousands, if not 10,000s of patients um, that actually guide us in the way how we manage these patients. But for patients that are 75 plus, uh, as I mentioned, 50% of our NSTEMI population uh, contribute come from this age cohort. The sample size size from randomized control trial is 876. So whether, um, and and again, we know that a lot of treatments that work in younger people in their 50s or 60s don't quite work. In, in older people. Aspirin, for example, there's been uh, several publications the, in, in 2018. Um, uh, in fact, it might even cause harm if you use it in the primary prevention setting for older patients. So it's, it's almost sort of, um, uh, there is a big burden we have. We're, we're having a lot of older people now and they're presenting more and more with heart attack uh, to, uh, to our hospitals and we don't have an evidence. And more important thing with the older people is that their event rates, subsequent event rates in the first year and in the few years to follow, is much much higher. So that's something obviously recurrent hospitalisation is associated with um, uh, excess cost uh, to the NHS. So it's it's almost it's it's a national and a global uh, global problem uh, that uh, now is the time that we need to invest. Uh, to uh, to investigate the right treatment strategies for these patients, because the older population is only going to grow even further. So, if you look at the national statistics as well as the um, uh, the WHO statistics, uh, the or the populations in their 70s and above is only going to grow uh, in 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 the in the years and the decades to come. So, a very
0: important problem. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I was looking at the guidelines before we started talking today and as you say they are largely evidence-free really. The European Society of Cardiology guidelines suggest one takes a holistic and personalized approach to invasive revascularization of elderly patients which I'm not really sure exactly what that means and the ACC AHA guidelines don't make any specific recommendations about how we treat ST elevation and non-ST elevation MI in elderly patients and as you say very underrepresented in clinical trials. So uh, what are you planning to do about this, VJ?
1: So, absolutely, you're spot on. It is this one area we have a huge problem, but the guidelines, that, again, reflect you of the lack of evidence. So, that's why uh, we're addressing uh, this uh, using our clinical trial. We're grateful to the British Heart Foundation for funding the senior RETA trial. Uh, you know that uh, RETA trial, the past RETA trials, is the one that informs us that invasive st- strategies better for um, non-ST elevation MI, but if you look at the mean age, is sixty-two. Um, so what we are doing in Seniorita is we've got forty hospitals across uh, uh, the UK that are taking part. Uh, where we are looking to, and en- uh, we are not looking. We're actually starting to enrol patients uh, seventy-five plus that present uh, with uh, with the diagnosis of non-ST elevation, MI, and we are randomizing them into um, conservative strategy versus uh, invasive strategy. So we have a very ambitious sample size of 2,300 um, that we want to recruit. Uh, and the reason behind is that it's not just going to be a straightforward answer of is the medical treatment better for older people uh, versus angiography plus or minus revascularization? But we also want to find out uh, which are these patients' benefit. Again, some of the work that we did from our pilot study called the ICON-1, which is funded by NIHR, uh, suggested that uh, the most benefit is driven by the, uh, the robust individuals and not in the pre-frail and the frail uh, patients. So... We want to um, do a predefined, uh, pre-specified subgroup analysis of the frail patients and not infrequently we see in our wards and in our cath labs where patients have had cognitive impairment that present with an endostemic. We don't know what is the right treatment for these people. And um, so we want to do a pre-specified analysis of do people that present with cognitive impairment and non-ST elevation MI do they benefit from which strategy? Continuing medications, optimal medical treatment using the guideline recommended therapy or invasive strategy.
0: Okay. And your, your outcome is one year mortality uh, in these patients. Is that right?
1: So the primary endpoint is one year cardiovascular death. And non-fatal myocardial infarction. So it's a, it's a comp- composite of um, of non-fatal myocardial infarction and uh, uh, cardiovascular death.
0: And you've talked a lot about frailty already, uh, VJ. How do we assess frailty rather than just using the, let's say, the end of the bed test, which I think we're all familiar with?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So there are some. Again, I had to learn quite a bit uh, from our geriatrics colleagues, and they use this. Uh, routinely in the, in their evaluation of the of their patients. So there are some uh, uh, accepted frailty me- measures, so there's a PRIDE frailty score and a Rockwood frailty score. The Rockwood frailty score is a simple questionnaire, whether the patient can do their daily things by themselves or do they need help and how much help they need. So it's literally, you ask the patient, it takes less than two minutes to fill that question. The fra- Friday frailty score is a little bit more. Um, uh, you, you have to do a few things. You have to ask the patient to get up, and it measures their grip strength uh, when they've lost weight uh, in the last uh, year or so. Um, so it's it's more of a quantitative measure. So we're measuring both of these uh, in our pa- in our patients and stratifying them uh, as uh, as robust pre frail and and frail.
0: And are you presumably you're randomising to invasive or optimal medical, and then doing this battery of tests rather than doing the tests first and then randomising?
1: That's correct. Yeah. So we basically we've kept the again. That's one of the things that we have is recruiting older patients is is a massive challenge, and and that's probably why there isn't uh, very many studies looking at it, and we're learning so much. Uh, with seniority already we have learned a lot you doing our uh, regional study uh, in the past um, so recruiting older patients is a challenge so we've kept the protocol inclusion criteria very very simple and straightforward so if anybody 70 plus presenting with an NSTEMI, they get randomized and then we'll we do everything else uh, afterwards
0: is, are there any other studies around the world looking at this particular question that you're aware of or are you the only one out there
1: no, unfortunately, um, we um, we uh, we do look up, uh, keep an eye on other studies that are happening. So there are three studies that are already published. One came from Norway, one came from Italy and one from Spain, which comes to the 876 patients that I mentioned. And all three studies pretty much showed different results. Two studies showed that there is no difference between offering conservative treatment to older patients versus invasive treatment. And one study uh, from the Norway, uh, which showed there was uh, some reduction in heart attacks and revascularization with the invasive strategy uh, compared to the conservative strategy. But all of these studies, they never uh, stratified their patients or looked at the frailty scores in detail or the comorbidities. So we reckon it's the more robust patients that have gone into the studies. And at the moment in the UK, there is another study called WRINKLE, uh, which uh, we believe uh, has just finished a recruitment. Hopefully um, that we will see the results soon. Uh, but this is the only study worldwide uh, with such a large uh, population looking at so many other elements uh, that are more appropriate and relevant uh, to this patient population.
0: Did you say the other study was called WRINKLE? yes okay it sounds like one of those acronyms that was made and then the study was designed to fit the acronym but uh, fantastically uh, (laughs) non-pc name for the study so your study is 2300 patients uh, and you say the totality of evidence around the world is just over 800 so you're going to have three times as much evidence um, than has been produced so far which as you as you say is hopefully going to to really rewrite the guidelines and, and help us select the best patients to put forward for revascularization and those that where it's likely to do harm
1: yes so this, we're hoping it is it is a lot of hard work I have done a lot, number of other studies in the cat lab and others but this is uh, this definitely is is way out there in the most challenging study to do but we we have started it and we are going to uh, complete it and um and, and as you correctly say, that this trial will transform uh, the care of patients, uh, older patients with heart disease, not only in the UK but across the world. And uh, because of the challenges that's associated with recruiting these patients, we want to invest as much energy as possible in collecting as much uh, information as possible because I wouldn't be wanting to repeat the study again and they're given the the amount of challenge and the efforts uh, that are required uh, in conducting this uh, this trial. And certainly, uh, it will um, uh, it will impact uh, both European and international guidelines.
0: And is there anything our listeners in the UK can do to help you, VJ? Are, are your centres now finalised and locked down? If there are people out there that would like to take part, uh, what should they do?
1: So we uh, we have 40 sites op- um, uh, up and recruiting. And um, first of all, for the 40 sites, um, you know there are lots of challenges. So, for example, these patients don't directly at first hand present to the cardiologist; they present to other host- other areas. So as soon as um, anyone sees these patients, uh, we want them to think about seniorita because they are helping the patients and. Uh, rather than not helping them by including them in, into the trials so if if clinicians um, at all levels from junior doctors all the way to consultants and research team if they see somebody 75 plus coming to our 40 uh, hospitals they think about senior return offer the trial uh, to the patients uh, we are um, we we have some top recruiting sites and some not quite so well because of various reasons Um, So there is opportunities for um, sites to be, um, uh, new sites to be taken on, but they're very welcome to contact us. But we really focusing on supporting our existing sites uh, because of the number of trainings that's associated with um, uh, conducting this trial. Uh, We're just encouraging our existing sites to offer their patients um, the trial. And one of the important things is that these patients, we follow them for five years and uh, these patients have the op sometimes these patients they live, they live by themselves so if a research team member rings them at three months six months nine months they love to talk to them because they have somebody to uh to talk and there. and the care is even better by rec- by participating in the trials
0: okay well that, that's really encouraging i'll certainly put the uh, the links to the trial website and the trial twitter feed which uh, Uh, is available to anybody to look at and I guess you're going to put progress and recruitment numbers as you uh, as you complete out the trial up there. Well thank you very much indeed uh, Dr Vijay Ghanadian for joining me today uh, on the podcast. I'll put links to everything we've discussed including a review of the treatment of older patients uh, with non-ST elevation MI that you wrote for heart uh, back at the end of 2015 and that will also be free to download for a month. Thank you very much indeed Vijay.